Can you hear that? As soon as I started recording, they started mouthing off. The least chill co-host ever. Okay, it's taken me so long to find somewhere quiet and I am not about to let it be ruined by Mouthy McGee over here, so bear with me. Okay, so I may or may not have just got into a physical altercation with a squirrel. I went out and there was a squirrel on top of the telephone pole, just mouthing off, being very unnecessary, being very surplus to requirement in every way. And um, I started telling him really politely to just keep it down. People are trying to work, you know, and he wouldn't listen. Just started telling me about how he lost his job. Um, and now there's not enough nuts to feed his family and how it's all the pigeons fault and I was like look mate I don't care just keep it down and then he wouldn't stop so I threw these hands I tried to let him know I tried to be nice and um, you know that everybody has their limit you know I don't condone violence but my patience is thin because I've been ill for two weeks now so he had it coming Anyway, hello. Welcome to Cavancast, episode six now. It's really nice to be here again. It's not so nice to still be ill. I thought I'd have that one maybe done with by now. I remember recording last week and thinking, oh cool, I won't have to deal with this next week. It'll just be this one. Nope, here we are. But I'm healing. I'm getting better. Ah, co-host today, apart from the squirrel who has been ejected from the premises. Um, There's a few tweeting birds around, but they can hang out. It's all good. They're local to the area. I mean, this is their gaff. I've come here, so, you know, I'm not entitled to silence. That's part of it. It's part of living with nature. Tell you what's not local, though, is the first word, which means about the most opposite that you can get from local, which is exotic, exotic, exotic. I wonder if there's anyone left who watches Netflix who doesn't think of the Tiger King when they hear the word exotic. Maybe three, three people. There was a guy called Joe Exotic and he was the king of all tigers because he liked The Lion King but didn't want to get sued for copyright. I I don't know, I didn't properly watch. I watched like two episodes. (laughs) Is that really bad? I totally missed out on that whole thing. I think I watched an episode, I think an episode started after I'd watched a film or something automatically and I was really tired and I was like, what am I watching? Am I on drugs? Am I dreaming? And then I just didn't watch again. Maybe I should have done. I wanted to be Simba growing up, so I guess maybe he was just the same. Maybe we're kindred spirits. Me and Joe Exotic. You heard it here first. I am alternate universe Joe Exotic. Cavern. What's the opposite of exotic? Cavern local. Well, it'd be like weather, exotic weather. Cavern overcast. See what I did there? 
I get it. I haven't spent a lot of time in exotic places, to be honest. Wait, what's even classed as exotic? Originating in or characteristic, that's not a word, originating in or characteristic of, I don't even know what word I said, of a distant or foreign country. So a bit further than Scotland then. I swear that's in a film or something where a girl asks a guy, where are you from? And he says, Scotland. And she's like, oh my God, that's so exotic. That's in something. I can't remember. So I guess you can only be exotic from like the perspective of, of others then. The same as alien. Aliens aren't aliens to aliens. Aliens aren't aliens to aliens. That's like that buffalo sentence, which I still haven't fully figured out. And I'm going to do it now. What is it? Buffalo, there's eight of them. Buffalo, 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 buffalo is a grammatically correct sentence. I've got like half of it, but it, okay, okay. I think I've got it. So very quickly, there's three groups of buffalo. Buffalo, buffalo, so buffalo from buffalo. Buffalo, buffalo, that. Buffalo, buffalo, buffalo. Then buffalo, buffalo, buffalo. So the first group that are buffaloed by the second group, buffalo the third group. Buffalo, 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 buffalo. This is why it's dangerous having a stream of consciousness from me as a podcast. You know, you play with fire a little bit, but every now and then you get gems, but most of the time it's a lot of mud. Anyway, exotic. I would really like to travel more. Maybe buffalo. I do have, to be fair, I do have a massive recent obsession with Frank's Red Hot Sauce. And Old Frank has a buffalo wing version. So I'm going to need to get on that. New Americans do sauces very well. Big fan. Ranch. Ranch dressing. Oh baby, you guys are solid. Where else? I've always wanted to spend some time in Japan. I think I said last episode I've been learning Japanese. Oh no, I said that in the latest bonus episode. Available on my Patreon now. One bonus episode a week at the lowest level. It's a bargain. <laughs> That's like, it's free real estate. That lives in my head rent free. But yeah, bonus episodes, bonus content. Go check it out. Patreon.com forward slash Gavin Kingston. Cool, red kites today. I'd like to spend some time in cities, like Tokyo, and then experience rural Japan. I've never experienced Eastern culture properly in any kind of way, and I think a lot of it is stunning, and I think will vibe with me. Why have I chosen a zoo to record this in? Also New Zealand. There's a walk a friend of mine did called the Te Aurora in New Zealand, which is a beautiful name. Te Aurora. And you basically walk from the top of the North Island to the bottom of the South. Because New Zealand is two islands. Te Aurora means the long pathway. And it's like 3,000 kilometers long. 
And it can take you like six months if you chill and it's just the most beautiful thing, apparently. The straight line distance from Cape Ranga to Bluff is 1,475 kilometers or 917 miles. But the Te Aurora stretches roughly 3,000 kilometers, which is 1,864 miles, varying in distance when sections are graded or otherwise changed. The trail is a mix of tracks, including wilderness tracks, paths through paddocks, beaches, roads, and highways, as well as a section which is a river and must be kayaked. Many parts of the trail are challenging. In these sections, trip planning, river crossing, and navigation skills are recommended. Well, I'm out as well as a good level of fitness and heavy boots. I've got some heavy boots, but um, my navigation skills are terrible. Most through hikers take between three and six months for a complete trip. The full trail was completed in 53 days by British ultramarathoner Jez Bragg with a dedicated support crew during the 2012-13 to 13 season. <laughs> Go on, Jez, you can do it. Go on, Jez. We believe in you. The youngest to walk the trail was Jonathan Rapsey, who finished it at the age of seven with his sister Elizabeth aged nine and their parents. There's always a kid who can do it better than you, isn't there? Oh, oh you learned Mozart. Cool. Check out this four-year-old playing Rachmaninoff's third. Oh, dude, that's awesome that you solved a Rubik's Cube in six seconds. Now watch this kid do it in 3.7 seconds, blindfolded, standing on his head, while reciting all of Pi in three seconds. Yeah, the kid's amazing. He can recite Pi in three seconds. Also, he has one arm. There we go. Gone from exotic to my envy of talented children. What's next? Museum. I don't know how telling this is of my education, but when I hear the word museum, I don't think of the Natural History Museum. I don't think of like, the Museum of Fine Art. I don't think of the Louvre. No. I think of Night of the Museum, starring Ben Stiller and an all-star cast, including Robin Williams, Owen Wilson, Rami Malek, Ricky Gervais, Steve Coogan, to name but a few. Wait, was there a Night at the Museum 3? There was Secret of the Tomb in 2014. Never seen that one though. Gonna make a note of that. I remember going to a museum on a school field trip when I was younger. Like eight or something. And there was this corridor uh, that had a turning at the end of it. And at the turning, there was this alcove in the wall. And in the alcove was a mannequin of a hooded monk. But it was like completely blacked out. Like it was a black hooded robe. And it was faced away. So faced into the alcove. It was terrifying. And I swear every single one of us was just waiting for it to come alive and turn around. Uh, so to make sure it was a mannequin, naturally, my friend and I went over to it and pulled the hood down. And it was completely bald and white. Like, we thought it was a skeleton. And we all freaked out and screamed and ran. And it's now, looking back, that I realise how people can die 
from doing stupid stuff in horror movies. It all makes sense. No one's better than anyone else. What is the oldest museum in the world? Maybe in 5,000 years, New York's Museum of Ice Cream will be the last cultural institution standing because its exhibits are perfectly suited to, to survive an apocalyptic ice age. For now, at least, the historic title of world's oldest museum belongs to Rome's Capitoline Museums, a.k.a. Musee Capitolini. Musee Capitolini. My Italian accent isn't that good, I'm sorry. Why are the Capitoline Museums important? Well, of all the cultural halls on earth providing protection and a platform for antique paintings and delicate artifacts, it's Rome's now enormous collection of art that set the precedent for famous institutions we know of today. Going right back to the beginning, the museum was made possible by Pope Sixtus IV. When he wasn't masterminding the Sistine Chapel, founding the Vatican, this is like written by him. When he wasn't masterminding the Sistine Chapel, founding the Vatican archives, and finding cushy political jobs for family members, he carved out time to create curate a collection of bronze sculptures and dedicate it to the good people of Rome. <sighs> what a philanthropist. What a guy. What what a good guy, hey? I can just imagine him writing this, like, with his little feather quill and ink, like, I'm so humble. Look at all these things I do for the good of the people. They deserve me. Sorry, I'm just totally crapping on an old school pope. He did nothing to me. What am I doing that for? Oh, interesting. The world's first public museum, the Ashmolean in Oxford, is celebrating a new permanent gallery called the Ashmolean Story, which opens today. It doesn't open today. I don't know when this article was written. It's open, guys. The gallery marks the 400th anniversary of the birth of the museum's founder, Elias Ashmole, who gave his collection to the University of Oxford in 1677 and founded the Ashmolean in 1683. On display are many of the original artefacts, specimens and curiosities that fascinated museum visitors of the 17th century. And I've been there, which is cool. I've been to the Ashmolean. I did not know it was the world's first public museum. That's cool. Cool story, bro. Or cool history bro the world's oldest museum wait okay oh like the first first museum the world's oldest museum was built by a babylonian princess 2500 years ago there's a lot of tweeting going on speaking of uh <laughs> you can follow me on twitter at cavin kingston as well as instagram and tiktok or at cavin kingston Thanks, birds. Early museums began as private collections of wealthy individuals, families, or institutions of art and rare or curious natural objects and artifacts. These were often displayed in so-called wonder rooms or cabinets of curiosities. That's cool, because princesses are daughters of kings, and the third word of today's episode is 
king. Hell yeah, Segway. Connect the dots. I'm a pro. Speaking of dots, I took a friend to get tattooed yesterday. <laughs> Perfect segue and then a complete tangent. Yeah, I got a... I got a... T- no. I, I took a friend to get tattooed yesterday and she was getting her whole sleeve done in a day. And it was her first proper tattoo. Brave or stupid? Who's to say? Anyway, it was all dot work and like geometrics and it looks really cool and I'm saying this because I'm looking for any excuse I can to talk about tattoos because I really want them and if you have a cool tattoo feel free to send me a picture on Twitter because that's where I'm most likely to see stuff and I want to see your cool tattoos anyway King like me Gavin Kingston woo it's weird Right, so I live in the UK, and in the UK, we didn't actually have a king that long ago. King George the Sixth. Oh, maybe my history knowledge is okay. King George the Sixth, who was king until well, well, nineteen fifty-two, I guess, when the when we got Queen Lizzie. But but as that was like a fair minute before my time. To me, having a king still feels like a med- only a medieval thing because my first experience of what a king was was watching Lord of the Rings when I was like 10. Like we have a queen, yeah, fine, it's still royalty, but it's like different in it. I don't know, do, do you know what I mean? It's kind of, uh, it's weird. It still feels like, I am King Ocelot. Why Ocelot? Oh, because Ocelot's like a big cat and King was one of my favourite characters to play as in Tekken. He was like a badass, like human, like stacked human wrestler. But he had, no, it wasn't an Ocelot head, it was like a cheetah or a jaguar head. Oh yeah, did you know there is no such thing as a black panther in the animal kingdom? They're actually, species-wise, just leopards or jaguars, or like any big cat with a black coat is, that's what a black panther is. Now you do. Now you know. The more you know. The pink panther exists though. In my heart. That's been in my head for ages, because my uh, my best friend has it as his ringtone. Lord knows why. I also have this awesome bright pink shirt that a housemate bought me for my birthday, which has the pink panther all over it. It really shouldn't work, but it does. It really does. I pull it off. Is there a reason? I I wonder if there's a reason why either princess doesn't have its own name. Like, okay, hang on, this is a bad way of explaining it. So prince, it goes to princess. Emperor, emperor goes to empress. And king doesn't go to kingess. King goes to queen. It's time for some history deep diving. The English term king is derived from the Anglo-Saxon signing? Kining? Kining? 
which it, okay, which is in turn derived from the common Germanic Kuningas. Okay, the common Germanic term was borrowed into Estonian and Finnish. This is a long drive at an early time surviving in these languages as Kuningas. Kuningas, not Kuningas. It is a der- it is a derivation. Derivation? Derivation. <laughs> I'm trying to discover the origin of the word king and queen, but I'm having trouble with the words explaining the origin of king and queen. <sighs> it's a derivation from the term kunyom, kin. Oh, there's some suffixes in there. The literal meaning is that of a scion of the noble kin, or perhaps son or descendant of one of noble birth. Okay, makes sense. Interesting. Okay, wait. In ancient Africa, ancient Persia, Asian and Pacific cultures, and in some European countries, female monarchs have been given the title king, or its equivalent, such as pharaoh, when gender is irrelevant to the office or else have used the masculine form of the word in languages that have grammatical gender as a way to classify nouns. The Byzantine Empress Irene sometimes titled herself Basilius, which means emperor, rather than Basilissa, which means empress, and Jadwiga, Jadwiga of Poland was crowned as Rex Poloniae, king of Poland. Interesting. So basically, like most things gender-wise that were created historically, it doesn't really matter. Moral of that history, history lesson? Oh, that hurt my head a little bit. I am way more interested in history now than I ever was in school though. Speaking of history, if anyone ever asks me where I would go if I could time travel, my answer is always it would be to see Queen the band at Wembley in 1985, for sure. I'm not about to go change history, I'm not that reckless, just want to go enjoy some good tunes man, get inspired, have a good time, then get the last time train home, it's time to have a cup of tea and go to bed. Well of course it'd be in time because I get to choose the date and time, yeah and then just go to bed, nice. Word number four is Venus. Venus. I'm your Venus. I'm your fire, your desire. Good tune, that. Let's get educational. I feel like Venus is one of those left-out planets you don't really hear about. Like, Mars is, is like the talk of the town because, you know, it's down the road. Uranus because... <laughs> Uh, Pluto, because it's, it's really far away and no one can decide whether they want it or don't, so it's constantly up for debate. Either way, Pluto, you're valid, okay? If you're listening, you're valid, mate. Don't don't worry about it. Pluto listens to Calvin Kirst. Can you, I don't want to look at my analytics for, like, geographical demographics, and it's going to be, like, United States of America, like, 40%, UK, like, 38%, like rest of Europe, some people in Australia, some people in Asia, and then there's like 0.001% is Pluto. 
I'll leave, I'll, um, if I go on any kind of tour, I'll be like, where do you guys want me to go? And then I just get like, come to Pluto. <laughs> we love you in Pluto. It's like three people and they're valid. So yeah, maybe Pluto next time, but let's give Venus some love for now. This information is brought to you by NASA. Number one, toxic twin. Venus is often called Earth's twin because they're similar in size and structure, but Venus has extreme surface heat and a dense, toxic atmosphere. <laughs> Sounds like some people I know. If the sun were as tall as a typical front door, Earth and Venus, Earth and Venus would each be about the size of a nickel. Whoa. What a strange, what a strange measurement. If the sun were as tall as a front door, Earth and Venus would be the size of a nickel. Interesting. NASA. They've spent so long in space, they don't know what happens on Earth anymore. What, what, do, what do Earth people have? What do they have on Earth now? Like, front, like doors? They have doors, right? That's a, it's as big as a door. Number two. Second rock. Venus is the second closest planet to the sun orbiting at a distance of about 67 million miles, or 108 million kilometers. Three, long days, short years. Venus rotates very slowly on its axis. One day on Venus lasts 243 Earth days. The planet orbits the sun faster than the Earth, however, so one year on Venus takes only about 225 Earth days, making a Venetian, Ven, Venusian, Venusian, oh God, Venusian day longer than its year. That's crazy. Four, diverse terrain. Venus has a solid surface covered in dome-like volcanoes, rifts and mountains with expensive volcanic plains and vast ridged plateaus. Five, youthful surface. The average surface of Venus is less than a billion years old, and possibly as young as 150 million years old, which is relatively young from a geological perspective. This is a major conundrum for scientists. They don't know exactly what happened that made Venus completely resurface itself. Venus just had a glow up, okay? Just a vibe change. Stop judging, NASA. 6. Runaway Greenhouse Venus's thick atmosphere traps heat, creating a runaway greenhouse effect, making it the hottest planet in our solar system with surface temperatures hot enough to melt lead. The greenhouse effect makes Venus roughly 700 degrees Fahrenheit, 390 degrees centigrade, for those of you in England, hotter than it would be without a greenhouse effect. Hmm. Seven. Stinky clouds. Venus is permanently shrouded in thick, toxic clouds of sulfuric acid that start at an altitude of 28 to 43 miles. The clouds smell like rotten eggs. There's too many opportunities in that one, so I'm just going to leave it. 8. Spacecraft Magnet Venus was the first planet explored by a spacecraft and was intensely studied early in the history of space exploration. Venus was also the first planet whose surface was reached by a spacecraft from Earth. No way. The intense heat means landers have only survived for a couple of hours. Wait, landers like people? No. 
No, people haven't gone to Venus yet. Definitely not. Well, number nine, life on Venus. Venus is an unlikely place for life as we know it. But some scientists theorize microbes might exist high in the clouds where it's cooler and the pressure is similar to the Earth's surface. That's cool, we just all live in the clouds. Phosphine, phosphine, a possible indicator of microbial life has been observed in the clouds. And number 10, backward sunrise. Venus rotates backward on its axis compared to most planets in our solar system. Yeah, Venus is just built different, okay guys? Just leave Venus alone. It's just different. Venus is just a bit quirky, okay? This means the sun rises in the west and sets in the east, opposite of what we see on Earth. And here's a bonus fact for you. Venus has been a backdrop for video games such as Transhuman Space, Battlezone, and Destiny. And in the Disney animated film The Princess and the Frog, Ray the Firefly falls in love with Venus, the evening star, as he has mistaken it for another firefly, his Evangeline. I love that voice. My Evangeline. Jim Cummings, man, what a legend. Jim Cummings, like, voiced your childhood. Like, Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, Taz the Tasmanian Devil, King Louie, Darkwing Duck, so many, so many people. Okay, that was Venus. I hope you enjoyed learning some facts about Venus. The last word is walk. I wonder if you're actually listening to me on a walk. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you're wondering. English language, funny. I spent most of my childhood walking because there was nothing to do in my hometown and no one in my family drove. Uh, so every day was leg day. I actually had to walk uh, six miles to school every day, uphill both ways, in the snow, even in summer. It's good for the soul, that. Made me strong. No, not really. I actually walked 15 minutes to school every day, and every day I was late. I got detention once for trying to save a pigeon while walking back to school, and they didn't believe me, and I didn't even save the pigeon successfully, so it wasn't even worth it. I used to love walking my dog every morning. Well, most mornings. That was usually why I was late, because I would wake up and I'd have to make sure he got a walk and that would make me late to school. I try and walk every day now if I can. For my mind more than anything, I swear to God it helps so much. Um, I'm not sure I'll ever end up settling down in a city. I like green too much. Do you know what? I was about to talk about... <laughs> I was about to walk. I was about to talk about wanting to uh, walk the Te Aurora, and then I realised I have already spoken about it in this episode. I should really just get on and do it. To be honest, it was weird. As soon as I got my driving license, I stopped walking because I became obsessed with the independence having a car gave me. Despite the fact that my first car cost me three hundred dollars. No, why did I say dollars? Three hundred pounds. Despite the fact that my first car cost me three hundred pounds. Uh, it was named Woody and had a sunroof that leaked every time you turned the corner to the point where I literally had a waterproof coat that I kept on the passenger seat to give to passengers so they wouldn't get soaking wet because I live in England and it rains all the time. But I loved him. He had character. He had so much character. But it's funny because I've always said that I only want or need a car that gets me from A to B. And now 
I have Halen, the van, so I'm literally taking A to B instead. <laughs> Messing with the system, I cannot be tamed, but I never want to stop walking. I tore the ligaments in my ankle a little while ago, and that was the first time I'd, uh, I'd really been scared in a long time. Um, I'm just getting back to the point that I can start running again now. So if you can do it, do do it. Or just get outside and, and spend some time out there just for a while, which I am going to do now. I'm going to go and make friends with red kites and squirrels. No, not squirrels. They can do one. So with that, <laughs> I bid you goodbye. And I hope you feel a bit more chill than when we first started, whatever you're doing. If you want even more chill, like I said, you can find my Patreon and all my socials at Cavern Kingston. And I will speak to you soon. Thank you for listening. I'm glad you're here.